So you can make your way over to the Old Testament there as we continue in our Old Testament studies on Thursday nights. Um, that's where we find ourselves. We have been looking at the life of, of Solomon. It's interesting because Solomon will end up reigning 40 years. Um, up until the time that he finished the temple, building the temple and building his house, it told us last week that, that it was now into his 20th year. Solomon was a young man when, when his father died and, and handed, handed the kingdom over to him. And so as he's now into his 20th year, Solomon is, is probably in his late 30s right now. Maybe, maybe, maybe early 40s. But I, I tend to lean to the early or, or late 30s. Now, when we get to, to here, to chapter 10, he, he is now well established as a king. His fame has gone all over the place, as we'll see tonight. <clears throat> and by this time already, as we'll see next study, by this time already, he is already accumulating wives. Not just one, wives. <laughs> he is accumulating them. He is accumulating concubines, as we will see next, next study. His, 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 his wisdom and his wealth has surpassed any that has come before him or any that will come after him. We, we, we learned that back in chapter 3, I think it was, where, where again, God, as he's coming to him, God shows up in his life and he says, ask, ask me, ask me what you, anything. And he asked for an understanding heart to judge his people. And, and because of that, God says, man, you could have asked for anything. You could have asked for this and that and that and that and that. You could have asked for any of those things. You could have asked for your, for your enemies. You could have asked for long life. You could have asked for wealth galore. You could have asked for anything, but you're asking for understanding. And I love that because, again, I, I think with us, you know, if, if God gave you the... He, he threw out the question, ask. <laughs> what would you ask for, man? Probably with whatever you're dealing with right now, you'd be going, that you get me out of this situation. <laughs> it's like, that's momentary. <laughs> what would you ask for? If he says, just ask. Ask anything. And Solomon asked for a, a, a heart of understanding. And then God says, because you didn't ask for all these other things, I'm going to give you those things anyways. I'll lay it on. I'll give it to you. I'll, I'll pour it into you. Man, we have been looking and we're going to see tonight just the wealth that, that, that has come upon this man. I mean, he, he's known for his knowledge or his wisdom for sure. But man, we're going to just see his wealth. Now, by this time, 20 years into, and, and, and again, it, it's moving forward, so it's already past 20 years. His kingdom has become a major player in the world economic system. In, in trade, he, he, he is making treaties left and right. 
He, he is accumulating just so much by, from so many places, as we'll see even tonight. And, and, and for the nation of Israel, this was a good thing. They were prospering. They were, they were growing. And, and again, God had told them, as long as you keep your eyes and your focus on me, I will go before you. I will do all these things for you. I will take care of these issues. And so we see that the hand of God is upon him because he continues to keep his eyes on him. And so he, he prospers him and he prospers the nation. Now granted, he, he built this labor force because he was a builder and he had so much that he was going to be doing that he needed all these people. And these people, again, even though he got a lot of people from other countries or from, from Lebanon especially, or Tyre, he, 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 he used a lot of the people from Israel. And it's almost like he pulled them away from their farms and from, from their things to do his bidding, his thing. And these people will not like this. And we'll see when the next king comes into power, man. They, they, they kind of resented all the, the forced labor, even though, again, they were probably getting paid for all of this stuff. They, 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 I guess they had been used to not working. And this guy says, hey, I'm going to put everybody to work. They're going, hooray. And then it's like, man, this is hard work. But man, oh man, he was going to build an empire, and he sure did. And so it was good for Israel as a whole, though. And it just seemed like everybody wanted a piece of the pie, or wanted a, a piece of the action with him. And so people were coming in from left and right, trying to make treaties with them. We saw last week at the end of the chapter that he even started a navy. Now, Israel's never really been known for, for navy, but but it's it, it, well some think it, it was a navy. I, I as I'm looking at this, I think it was more of a shipping company, um, using boats up up and down the Red Sea and in the Mediterranean. Uh, it it, it kind of seems more like that. Needless to say, um, Solomon had become a big big deal, and there really was no one to stop him. Being the wisest man in the world, it's hard to have advisors, right, somewhat, because you know more than all of them. <laughs> what are you going to tell me? I don't know, you know? So being in that position, though, can make you a little haughty. Pastor Gary was teaching about this on, on Sunday morning, that knowledge puffs up, and we've got to be careful with that. I mean, we want to be knowledgeable and all those things. We want to have wisdom. But again, man, we don't want to, we, we, we don't want to take the Word of God and, and do what Peter does and cut somebody's ear off, you know, in the garden. Because we can do that. We can take the Word of God and we can cut people's ears off left and right. Or we can use the Word of God like a skillful surgeon, you know, and cut people through the heart and stuff like that. And so, so again, when you become knowledgeable, again, we've got to be careful how we use it and when we use it. And so, again, there's, there's nobody really to, to stop all the all this stuff that's going on in, in, in Solomon's life. Nobody can tell him no, really. And if, if they did, I, again, we, we don't really hear about somebody like David had. David had a Nathan in his life. David was, was, was able to receive from him, even though he didn't like it, when, when again, he challenged him. So anyway, so... We're in chapter 10 of 1 Kings. We'll cover the first 10 verses. We'll cover the whole chapter this evening, but the first 10 verses. It says, Now when the queen of Sheba heard 
of the fame of Solomon concerning the Lord, the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great rectitude um, with camels that bore spices, very, very much gold and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. So Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing too difficult for the king that he could not explain it to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon and the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters and their apparel, his cupbearers, and, and his entryway, by which he went up to the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. Then she said to the king, it was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes. And indeed, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceeds the fame of which I heard. Happy are your men. Happy are those who serve, uh, are your servants, who stand continually before you and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God who delighted in you, setting you on the throne of Israel because the Lord has loved Israel forever. Therefore, he made you king to do justice and righteousness. Then she gave the king 120 talents of gold, spices in great quantity, and precious stones. There never again came such abundance of spices as the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Now, the Queen of Sheba, here she heard about the fame of King Solomon. Now, there, there's, there's some mystery that, that surrounds this Queen of Sheba. There's, there's some intrigue, if you will, that, that, that kind of accompanies this Queen of Sheba. I know sometimes when, when Blanca gets all dolled up or whatever, I always I'll often think of, I, I tell her, you look like the Queen of Sheba. You know, or, or, you know when she, gets, she, she does a little bit more, you know, it's like you're, you're like the Queen of Sheba. You know, the Queen of Sheba was, was like this mysterious kind of woman, but, but you know that she's a queen. And, and, and so, so it's interesting because she is only mentioned here in, in our text this evening, but also in the correlating uh, story in Second Chronicles chapter nine, and what is said about her in chapter nine of Second Chronicles is just about exactly of, as what we have here. Sometimes they differ, but it's just about exactly. She is also alluded to by Jesus in a couple of the Gospels. It's the same story, but he calls her the Queen of the South, and we'll touch on on that a little later uh, in its in, in, in its study in our study, and so. 
So we know that, that this actually did happen, but there's a lot of mystery about her. Uh, the, this Queen of Sheba is, is part of tradition. It's, it's, she's part of tradition in the Jewish culture beyond what is written here. There, there's, there's more. There, she, she's, she's part of the tradition in the Islamic tradition way back in the day even. And even in the Ethiopian traditions. The Ethiopians claimed her. And, and, and there's so much that's wrapped around her her and these traditions or these the, the, these stories, this folklore, myth or legends about her and her relationship with King Solomon. Just, just, just to give you a little gossip, it's believed <laughs> that that she had a baby with him. Hmm. I don't know how much it's true, but as ladies' man that he was, it's almost like, I want to believe it, you know? But there's all this mystery about who could be the son of King Solomon and Queen Sheba, you know, the, this Queen of Sheba, you know? And, and so, again, there's so much about this woman. But in our text here, we just, we just read most of what she did. She heard about him, and she, she wanted to come see him. And she wanted to... to to check this out. And so this Queen of Sheba, again, she, she's in all this folk, folklore and, and myth and stuff. More than likely, this Queen of Sheba, um, this Queen of the South, as Jesus referred to her as, is, is from the south, southwest coast of the Arabian Peninsula, which is what we know today as Yemen. So when you look at a map in, of that Middle East area, you, you will see Israel up here and then you see Saudi Arabia and it just kind of is huge. And it comes down to, to the peninsula down there. And, and if you just follow the Red Sea, not the little part of it where they crossed over the children of Israel, but the, the larger Red Sea, as it comes down to the point, it, 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 it goes down to the Gulf of Aden and then it spills out into the Arabian Sea. And so it's believed that Sheba, also known as Seba, the people be, uh, are known as the uh, Sebians, um, that they would be from way down here south. And so it's believed that that is where she's from. She heard of the fame concerning, uh, the, the, the fame of, of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord. Now, in other words, when she heard about Solomon, she also heard about his connection or relationship with the Lord, how they were always associated and how the Lord had been in his life and doing things in his life. And so when she heard about King Solomon, automatically she also heard about the Lord and what he was doing in that man's life. Now, I, I, I think that's just a beautiful statement that, that it reveals to us that people hear about us. And, and, and when they hear about you, or when they hear about me, do they associate Jesus Christ and you? Or, or, or would they be shocked to think or to know, you're actually a Christian? <laughs> I wouldn't have put the two together. Now, sometimes people trip out because people you know, get converted and it's like, you're the last guy I would have imagined 
to be walking with Jesus or something like that. But as you walk with the Lord, as you grow in the Lord, do people associate, make that connection between you and the Lord? When they hear about you, do they also hear about Jesus and what he's doing in your life? And so I just thought it was fascinating that here the Queen of Sheba from so far away, she hears of the fame of Solomon concerning, it says, the name of the Lord. And so again, there was that, that understanding that, that the wisdom that he had and how he was conducting himself was all given to him by the Lord. And so there was that connection between that. It says that she came to test him with hard questions. Now, apparently, as I was studying this stuff, apparently, it wasn't out of the ordinary for, for leaders that they would go to other leaders and test each other. <laughs> I guess anybody could say they're smart or they have wisdom, but apparently they actually went and tested one another with hard questions, conundrums, riddles, and, and puzzles, if you will, to ask them certain things. She heard about the wisdom of this man, and I'm sure she had her list of all the things that she wanted to say to him. Because what she had been hearing about him, she, she thought, I'm sure, nobody can be that smart or have that much wisdom. What people are telling me about this guy is that he has this amazing wisdom and nothing gets past him. says that she came to Jerusalem with a, with a great reti, retinue, retinue. I looked up the word retinue. <laughs> the word retinue is, is like an entourage, a posse, a, a large a party, if you will. It, it literally means she had a large caravan <clears throat> that followed her. I mean, with all the stuff that she was bringing and, and we seen and we heard uh, of what she had brought, I could imagine that she just needed so many people and animals and wagons and, and all these kinds of things to carry all the gold and spices and, and precious stones, all these things as, as far as the food and everything for the travel. I mean, she would be traveling anywhere from 1,200 to 1,500 miles to get to Jerusalem from the, the Arabian Peninsula down here. Now, if she was going to travel by land, can you imagine the logistics of getting this whole group of people up there? Just, just having to tow all these things and all the people. And again, if she's the queen, again, I just picture these old movies of her just sitting on something and all the guys with these canopies over her, you know, walking, you know, and, and the queen of Sheba, of course, she can't get any sunlight, you know. And so everybody's taking care of her. And, and, and again, if, if you're thinking, if you're traveling by, by, by land, you have to cross the Arabian Desert, Unless you go through the, core, the, the coast, there's still some desert and there's some, some hills and stuff that you've got to be crossing. And so you can imagine that it was going to take a long time to go 1,200 to 1,500 miles, and it would be hot as well. So you probably had the fans going, 
you know, as she's walking along. But more than likely, more than likely, she probably traveled by sea. Again, I'm sure she had to get from, from her place down to the Red Sea and then travel up the Red Sea. And then getting up to the Red Sea and then from there, from the south of Israel, having to travel up to Jerusalem, which still is a good little stint. They didn't have the Suez Canal at that time, but still you had to get to Jerusalem. So they still had to walk a lot. And the south of, of, of Israel is still barren and, and still hot. And so I'm sure she traveled, whichever way she traveled, she traveled in the lap of luxury. She's a queen. Of course, she's going to travel in the lap, lap of luxury. Can you imagine her servants not only having to take care of her, but having to take care of everything to, to go? It doesn't tell us how many, but she had a great party, a big entourage that had to travel with her. And so it says, and when she came to Solomon, when she came to Solomon, where am I at? When she came to Solomon, she told him all her heart. She took the list out and began to let him know everything that she wanted to, to, to know. But can you imagine being the queen, knowing that she lives in luxury already? So she knew what lavishness meant. She knew what luxury meant. She knew what opulence meant. But when she came to Solomon, I could only imagine she's probably thinking, my palace is a dump compared to this place. <laughs> Because there was so much that she saw. There was so much that, that I guess her eyes were just looking. Again, you know, the, there's people that study all this stuff and then they render their drawings of what it would look like. And, and, and sometimes, you know, you're, you're trying to get a picture of what this would look like, you know. And I think in some movies they might do it justice, but I, I've never been in a place that is so opulent, you know, that, that, that is just like, whoa as we'll see even a little bit more later. But she knew what luxury was all about, but this blew her mind. And so I'm sure that after the, the, the formalities were over, the introductions, she spoke to him about all that was in her heart, all that was in her mind or on her mind. In other words, she, she, she got everything off her chest. She checked off every, every question that she had, you know, because he answered it and there was no problem, man. He, he, he was able to, to, to just get it and, and, and he did it, man. And so it says that, that in verse 3, he says, So Solomon answered all her questions. There was nothing so difficult that the king could not explain, explain it to her. And so he just aced it, he crushed it, he nailed it, if you will. He probably had half his brain tied behind his back just to make it fair. Just, just, it's like, I'll just be easy on you. Because none of this seemed hard to him. Nothing was too hard for him. So not only did she hear his wisdom, but it says here that she saw all the wisdom. She saw the magnificence, the splendor, the majesty of this place of what Solomon had built. 
Now, he's not talking about the temple. He's talking about his house. The temple was, you know, she, she knew where the entrance was because she me- mentions there, but she's talking about this guy's house. She, she goes into detail to, to talk about the, the house, but not only the house, but the food on his table. And it is believed that, that he fed probably 16,000 people throughout the day just because of all the stuff that had to go on there. And, and, and later on, we'll, we'll see that, man, people were coming in all the time. It wasn't just this Queen of Sheba that was, uh, you know, just an abnormality that she showed up or that she came. But, but there was people that, that sought to come and meet with Solomon oftentimes. So, so you could imagine that all these people were always, they were always on. And so she, she comments on the food at his table, the sitting of his servants, the service of his waiters even in their apparel. Even the cupbearer, she's noticing it. Because again, she has all these things at home. But today, in this place, it is so far beyond what she could ever have imagined. Man, it's almost hard to, to comprehend all of that. And the entryway that went into the house of the Lord. And it says, and there was no more spirit in her there there, there there was there was no more spirit in, in her it means she was so overwhelmed so overcome she was breathless in a in a sense she was so awestruck i i, I picture her her jaw just dropped like somebody having to push it up in verses 6 through 10 it says then she said to the king it was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes. And indeed, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceeds the fame of which I heard. It was so much. So much more. This queen of Sheba had to confess that she really didn't believe all that people were telling her about him. And it wasn't until she saw with her own eyes because nobody that came and told her about what it looked like and what they experienced did it any justice until she was right there. Now when she says, Blessed be the Lord your God, Who, who has blessed you or uh, who has delighted in you, setting you on the throne of Israel because the Lord has loved Israel forever. Therefore, he made you king to do justice and righteousness. When, when, when she says, says these things, she's not confessing that she's a, a believer in the God of, of, of Solomon. She understands who's, who's the God of Solomon. She has her own gods that she worships. But she is acknowledging this relationship between Solomon and his God. She is glorifying the God of Solomon for the work that he has done in her. And I was reminded of of Matthew 5.16 where Jesus says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. 
Peter goes on to say in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, he says, Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Oh, that when people come to know us, that they would glorify God for what He is doing in our lives. Just the way this lady, she comes, she has her own God, she has her own religion, she has her own whatever, but she is acknowledging that the God of Israel is on His side. She observes everything about His kingdom as far as she, she is able to experience she acknowledges that the Lord has put him there. She has, he has put him there to do justice and righteousness. And I could guarantee you what she was looking at and, and, and experiencing because she was checking it all out as an outsider. I could guarantee you she saw justice and righteousness flowing from this man. It was evident in his life. It was something that she was able to point to and say, the Lord has given you or put you in this position to do justice and to, and to do righteousness. Again, when, when, when we're reading these kinds of things in these stories, man, we, we have to glean and, and, and say, Lord, what, what, what do you want me to learn from this, this story about the Queen of Sheba? Again, that, that, that when people look at our lives, they see God working in our lives. That we're not trying to be them anymore because we used to be them. That God has changed us and He's called us to do something different. And that people would, would see that in our lives and they would say, there's something different and it must be the God that you serve, that you're different. Because that's not the way the world functions. That's not what the world does. You know, oftentimes I think Christians, they, 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 they know that they've been separated from, from the world, but they want to be so ingrained in the world. They want to look just like the world. And we haven't been called to look like the world. We live in it, but we don't have to be a part of it. And I think oftentimes we, we try to ingrain ourselves in, in what everybody else is doing, what the world is doing, and people cannot tell us apart sometimes. And that's a sad commentary on us. Not that we should be any better than anybody. We should just are different. We're called to be separated. Not isolated, but separated. She saw that God had put him in that place to do justice and righteousness. And I could guarantee you he was living that out before her. And then she, it says that in verse 10, then she gave the king 100 and 20 talents of gold. We, we, we saw this last week. That is nine tons, or no, that is 9,000 pounds of gold. Four and a half tons of gold. Again, that's what these guys were carrying for 1,200 miles. Whether they were on donkey or, or camel or whatever it was, however they got there whether they had to load it on the ship or whatever they had to do, they had to get it to Jerusalem one way or another. From, from the sea up 1,200 1200 feet is where Jerusalem sits. And so these guys had to take it to him. It says that, they, that she brought spices, that there had never ever been the abundance of spices like she had brought. So I don't know, it doesn't tell us the quantity, but it's a lot. A lot of spices. 
and precious stones. However that looked, but they brought all these things to the king. It was almost like a, just a small little token of my appreciation. <laughs> now, really quick, before I move on, I, as I was looking at the Queen of Sheba in this story here, I was reminded of when uh, King Solomon first took over. And you remember he had two ladies, two women, come before him and he had to make a decision. Probably like his first test. And now we have here the Queen of Sheba. And as I was looking at this, I, I looked at the, the differences that, that when he started and 20 years later, here, here he had these two prostitutes that, that, that had this issue with this dead baby and all. And now you have this, this queen who, who, who is living in the lap of luxury. You have two totally different situations, two totally different backgrounds, two totally different everything in their lives, except for the thing that we see here is that the king's door was always open to people. He, he received the queen of Sheba as he had received these two prostitutes. And again, it just reminded me of how Jesus has his arms wide open to everyone. I, I, again, just kind of reading this past week and just seeing the life of Jesus and how he, he, he just went after people. And the rich and the poor, they were both needy for him. And he, and he didn't show partiality in any way, shape, or form. He received them. If they came receiving, wanting of him salvation, he would give it to them. Whatever, he wa- whatever they needed, he gave them. It says in verse 11, it says, Also the, the, sh- the ships of Hiram, which brought gold from Ophir, um, brought great quantities of all mug wood and precious stones from Ophir. And the king made steps of the all mug wood uh, for the house of the Lord and for the king's house also harps and stringed instruments for singers. There, was, there never again came, as, came such almug wood, uh, nor has the like been seen to this day. Now, King Solomon gave the Queen of Sheba all she desired, whatever she asked, besides what Solomon had given her according to the royal generosity. So she turned and went to her own country, she and her servants. Now, it is quite possible that, that it was the ships of Hiram that brought the Queen of Sheba, quite possible, and all the entourage and all the stuff that, that they were bringing. But it also said that he brought these other materials, this wood and more precious stones. And, and apparently this wood was very rare and very nice or however it is. Now, can you imagine how the queen's servants must have been relieved when they finally got to Jerusalem after carrying all this load and having to load it and having to, to bring it and then unload it and going, oh, man. That's going to be awesome, man. On the way back, we're leaving empty. It's a piece of cake. Well, it's believed that Solomon gave her more than she brought him. And you're probably going, you're kidding me. You're kidding me. 
So what probably happened here is that the, the queen of Sheba and him, they, 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 they had this, this trade deal now. It would now be a commercial kind of trade deal that they were going to, to have. And so, so both of these countries would be trading with one another. And so it was probably on, on, on what we could just read. Nothing sensual happened. Nothing like that probably happened. I don't know. But it looks like they just struck up an amazing trade deal between the two. The fact that she brought him all these gifts, all these things, the fact that he gave her stuff, not just what was uh, common, you know, the royal generosity, but a lot of things, whatever you desire, you can have. Now, like I shared earlier, that Jesus had mentioned the Queen of Sheba or the Queen of the South. But it wasn't her faith or her gifts that, that, that he commended, but the fact that she had traveled the long way to come and hear the Solomon or the wisdom of Solomon. You see, when Jesus refers to the Queen of, of the South, Jesus was rebuking the religious leaders because what they wanted to see, they wanted to see a sign from him. And that they didn't have to travel as far as she did to come and hear the wisdom of Solomon. And he says this, and one greater than Solomon is now before you. And so we know that this is a true story because Jesus alludes to it. Whenever Jesus alludes to something back here that's kind of mystical, that's kind of like, but this you really existed? It's like, yes, if, if, if Jesus made mention of her, it's because it is true. And what he was doing with the religious leaders was saying, you guys missed a great opportunity. You didn't have to tra travel 1,200 miles to come and hear somebody and the wisdom of God. I'm standing right in front of you and you've missed the opportunity. Verses 14 to 23. says, The weight of gold that came to Solomon yearly was 666 talents of gold. 666 talents of gold. <laughs> There's probably nothing to it. Um, verse 15, Besides that, from the traveling merchants, from the income of traders, from all the kings of Arabia, and from the governors of the country, and King Solomon made two large shields, 200 large shields of hammered gold, 600 shekels of gold went into each shield, seven and a half pounds. He also made 300 shields of hammered gold, small, smaller ones, three minas of gold went into each shield. The king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon on these smaller ones. It was about three and almost four pounds of gold in each of those. And verse 18, Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with pure gold. The throne had six steps and the top of the throne was round at the back. There were armrests on either side in the place of the seat and two lions stood besides the armrest. Twelve lions stood there, one on each side of the six steps. 
Nothing like this had been made for any other kingdom. All King Solomon's drinking vessels were gold. And all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were pure gold. Not one was silver, for this was accounted as nothing in the days of Solomon. For the king had merchant ships at sea with the fleet of Hiram. Once every three years, the merchant ships came bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and monkeys, or in some translations, peacocks. So the king surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. Again, as, as you're trying to envision, as we read through this, and trying to envision this hall where his throne sits, and again, it gives us this, this detail Having to look at all this and, and, and thinking of all the wealth, all the beauty, all the pomps, all, all, the, all, all the pomp and circumstance that went on in this whole royal palace. Check out what Jesus says about Solomon in, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 28 to 30. When Jesus is speaking to his disciples, he says, So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So if God so clothes the grass of the fields, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? I love the, the, the picture here, the contrast here. That, that, that here we're seeing of this this amazing room and everything that is in it. When it says that they brought 666 talents of gold a year, that's 25 tons of gold that they would bring every year. He, 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 all these traveling merchants and all the kings and all the governors, they paid him taxes. That's, he, he was becoming more and more rich. King Solomon had made the, all these shields, 200 large shields of gold and, and, and 300 smaller ones, all of pure gold. They couldn't fight with them because, because again, gold is a soft metal, so it, it, they were just for show to put up on, thing, uh, on, on these walls. I mean, there were huge walls. And, and unfortunately, in a few hundred years from now, all those shields would be taken away. It, it, they, they, they would come and plunder this whole thing says that he made this throne of ivory. And it's like, that would look awesome. But then he overlays it with gold. It's like, really? But he overlays, because there's so much gold. And then the steps going up and the lion's there and the other lion's there. And, and again, man, because he's, he's the king of the jungle, man, he had all these lions there going. And I sit on the throne, not you guys. And so, man, he, he, he just has been exalted to no end. And yet Jesus turns around and says, did you see all that beauty? Did you see all the splendor? Did you see all the magnificence and all the opulence and all the stuff about Solomon? He says, this little lily here, <laughs> the lilies of the field, I tell you, man, that, that these, they can't even, they can't, Solomon can't even stand up to one of these beautiful 
little lilies. And you're going, no, I think I'd rather have all that other stuff (laughs) instead of a lily. But what God is saying, man, the intricacy that he puts in to his creations, even these little flowers, these little things, he says, man, Solomon wished he had what this little lily had. And what what, what God is telling us here, as, as he gives us this contrast, as we go to Matthew, it's like, man, don't worry about life, man, because we look at people that have all the money, they have all the everything, man, and, and you're looking at that going, oh, man, why do they get it all? You know, I don't know, maybe because they probably worked hard for it. I don't know. Or they, whatever. But sometimes we get jealous of all of that stuff. And we get envious of what other people have. And we could look at, at, at a picture of Solomon and go, man, he lacked for nothing. And it's true. He had everything. He was so bored, man, that he even brought apes and, and peacocks and monkeys or whatever. And, and I find that fascinating. You guys remember Michael Jackson, that ranch that he had up there, man? He, he, he just like, what else can I do? Give me a giraffe. Somebody give me something. Something weird. Last year we were up at Hertz Castle. And, and at one point they had, they had a zoo there because people that are so rich, it's like they could buy anything. <laughs> the tour guy was telling us that, 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 that he wanted to bring these two giraffes and, and the container company couldn't ship them over because they, they just couldn't. He says, hold on. Calls them back up a while later. He says, go ahead and load them. But they said I couldn't. I just bought the whole company. He just bought the shipping company so he can have his. And so you, you see how Solomon, man, he had everything. He had everything going for him. And I find it fascinating because in verse 23, it says, So Solomon surpassed the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. And you contrast that which was said earlier in chapter, in verse 7, where she is talking about him. I didn't believe all of this, the half of what they told me. Your wisdom and your uh, prosperity exceeds the fame. You see, all of a sudden, man, it wasn't about his wisdom anymore. It was about his riches. All the stuff that he had accumulated. The, 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 it, it, it's, it's reversed from verse 7 to verse 23. The riches were more important than his wisdom. Turn over to, if we have time, uh, maybe. I just want to read this to you in First Timothy chapter, chapter 6. Again, what, what the New Testament talks to us about. Again, God, God has never been against riches. As a matter of fact, God, God offered it to him. With the caveat that you should keep my, your eyes upon me, and I will bless you. I will continue to bless you. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 6, he says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we will carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, from which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness 
and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. We're told in the New Testament that we should not have to worry about all those things. You know, again, God God is not opposed to any of those things. Money is, is, is amoral. It, it, it doesn't know that it's money. You could use it for good or you could use it for evil. It, 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 money is not the root of evil. It's the love of it. That's the root of all kinds of evil. The pursuit of it. That, that's what he was against. And he said, man, flee those things because those things will get you in trouble. And we're going to see, going back to our text, we're going to see that, that, that for Solomon, man, it just, it just kind of blinded him. God was, God was so willing to bless him, and he blessed him dearly. But man, once you, once you start putting riches in front of wisdom, instead of wisdom and prosperity, then you get in trouble. In verse 24, as we close up, it says, Now all the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. Each man brought his present, articles of silver and gold, garments, armor, spices, horses, and mules, at a set rate year by year. And Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen, whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king of Israel, or Jerusalem. The king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones, and he made cedar trees as abundant as the sycamores in the lowlands. Also Solomon had horses imported from Egypt and Kiev. The the king's merchants brought them in Kiev at the current price, or bought them at a current price. Now a chariot that was imported from Egypt cost 600 shekels of silver and a horse 150 and thus through their agents they exported them and all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria. Solomon began to accumulate all these things whereas in Deuteronomy chapter 17 I think it is the Lord warned Israel that when you have a king he is not to accumulate all these things so that he doesn't make himself better than the people that he is supposed to serve. Again, we see the life of Solomon and there's no way that he was just like the common people anymore. He, he had risen above everybody else and we see, and we'll see in our next study, the, the, the fall of start, what starts happening in his life. When you have time, you can read the book of Ecclesiastes that is written by Solomon. 
And you see that all the stuff that he accumulated, accumulated everything that he got, man, he had everything he ever wanted. And, and, and throughout the, 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 the book, he says, it's vanity of vanities. It's all vanity. It's all vanity. And in the end, the, the only thing he could say is like, man, it's God. God's the only thing that's truly important in life. Everything else, he tried it all. He had it all. And he says, I missed out. I missed out on the blessings over here. And it came back to the simplicity of just being close to God. Again, he had given him the caveat, man. Do not follow after all these things. And he ended up doing it. And that's why it's important to chase after those things, to, to accumulate those things, because once your possessions possess you, you're in trouble. <laughs> not that we can't have possessions, but once they possess you, you're done. And so, again, just a great warning. Um, just seeing all this... Uh, wealth and riches and, and all this stuff as I was studying and looking at this and just kind of thinking, it's like, man, Lord, you you set him up in the beginning and said, ask for whatever you will. And because he asked for a, a, an understanding heart, you blessed him even more. And we need to be careful when God starts blessing that we don't take advantage of it or take our eyes off of who's blessing us and think that we can do it on our own because we're destined for a fall. Amen. Father in heaven, even as we come before you, Lord God, we thank you for just a story like this, Lord God, that we get to cover. That, Father, we get to look and understand and see what riches can do to someone who you truly blessed and you wanted him to have all these things, Lord. And yet it just, got, it just seemed like it got so out of control and there was no stopping it stopping him and it just seemed like he didn't want to stop himself Lord and so Lord help us Lord as your people Jesus that we would desire to keep our eyes on you that whatever we get from you Lord God whatever you bless us with Lord that we would return to you that Lord when, when, when you give us more than we really need that Lord we would use it for your glory and we would always turn it back to you Lord, I just thank you, Lord God, that, that Lord, you're, you're, you're not against blessing your people, even financially. But Lord, that we would have just that, that little check in our hearts that we would not use it or abuse it, Lord. That we would use it for your glory in all ways. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.